Welcome, fans, to episode 19 of the Uncharted Territory podcast. My name is Chad Olson, and coming to you from Central Iowa on a lovely winter evening. We're going to uh, go around the room and introduce the co-hosts of tonight's fine podcast. Start with Stu Lowry, coming to us straight from Virginia. And uh, that's a beautiful Virginia. It was 67 degrees today, so take that, Iowa, take that, Minnesota, and take that, New York. (laughs) Wow. Sun was shining, nice southerly breezes, just a, a hint of spring, bring it on. Damn. Happy to be here. All right. All right, next let's go to New York with Mr. Tim Dalton. Tim, how you doing? Doing well. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. It's uh, not quite uh, 67 degrees in Buffalo. I think we did uh, almost make it up to 40 uh, today, uh, so we are melting a little bit of the snow that's uh, come down in the past couple of weeks. But uh, things are well here, and uh, uh, looking forward to uh, tonight's uh, tonight's extravaganza. And last, but certainly not least, we have my baby brother Corey Olson, up the Hello, road Bruce. in Minnesota. That's right, that's right, up the road. Hello, promoters. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we also got to about forty degrees today, maybe even a little higher, which has felt wonderful uh, since the negative temperatures of the last couple of weeks. The snow is slowly going away so we're very happy to 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 see that and very happy to be with you tonight with our extravaganza as tim described it it's amazing when you know i think it was 37 maybe 40 you know here today when it's been negative 20 you just go outside you got no coat on you got you know <laughs> longs i just you know skip down to the mailbox i got maybe long sleeves on and stuff but yeah it's so warm compared yes. to last week uh, you know yes you have to live in the arctic to pr- truly appreciate me <laughs> agreed yeah so take that mr 67 yeah all right before this dege- de- yeah before this degenerates any further let's get to the what's new section um we've seen some new releases over the past week Corey, you want to hit those up Sure. Uh, for the indie line for the uh, IWTV set, we've got Gary J was recently announced. Um, now, I honestly did not know much about Gary J, but I am excited to learn more about him. And he is, as you've heard in our commercial the last few weeks, coming to Waterloo this summer to be part of the Hall of Fame Classic Tournament, along with several other independent stars. Uh, so when I saw the artwork, I, I recognized him right away from the promo photo that's been on the uh, IPW and Hall of Fame Facebook pages. So, and I, I was not aware that he was signed. So that's a really cool uh, tie-in, good timing. Um, Thanks to whoever signed him, whether it was Zeke or somebody else. Uh, But yeah, I'm excited to learn more about uh, Mr. Gary J. I I only know him from, um, I think he's competed against Jeremy Wyatt, who's kind of one of my favorites and and Russell's in the same area in St. Louis Anarchy. And actually, um, I think there's a correction. It said he's the longest reigning St. Louis Anarchy champion. Jeremy Wyatt currently holds that title. Now you may say it be on a technicality due to the pandemic, but actually last week, right around this time he was announced, Jeremy Wyatt put on his Twitter that he is now the longest reigning St. Louis Anarchy <laughs> champion. <laughs> and um, Jeremy Wyatt will be also be at the hall of fame yes. um, in the uh, independent pro tournament that we're having for ipw so who knows maybe you'll see gary J and, and jeremy wyatt meet somewhere in that tournament um you know i would love it and i put this on the board i'd love to see jeremy wyatt get a card for the game because he's a fantastic Absolutely. wrestler and me too had I the agree. pleasure of seeing him over the past 10 plus years and 
Mm-hmm. He is tremendous. I was going to say, I just hope it doesn't, you know, uh, degrade into a, 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 a violent discussion over who is the longest reigning uh, anarchy champion uh, at Waterloo. I mean, that could get ugly. Yes, that could. That could. Um, just on, you know, on talking about Jeremy Wyatt for a second. Yeah, uh, we, we've talked about this before the episode where we had Troy Peterson on, but um, one of the best matches I ever saw live was Jeremy Wyatt and Rory Fox in a ladder match at the 3XW anniversary show in 2010. Chad and Tim were there. And uh, yeah, that was just a great, just a great hardworking match. Um, he's a very talented wrestler. Would love to see him in the game and would love to uh, match him up against Mr. Gary J. All right. Uh, another announcement that was made this week on the uh, Champions of the Galaxy side of things for the War Games 2090 reimagined, uh, 2091, excuse me, uh, reimagined set was uh, the artwork for Spike of the Gladiators. Of course, this is Spike after getting his cleansing and uh, being upgraded from the Super Destroyer to the Mega Destroyer. Um, artwork has been released. I think it's a great drawing. It's, I think it's one of my favorites from this current set. Just another interpretation of Spike, not too different of, of a pose or anything like that, but uh, I think Warner did a really good job on that. Guys, thoughts on the new Spike? I, I agree. I really like that Spike drawing. I was a little on the fence. A 2091 is arguably my favorite set ever, other than the original set. Um, but I like those black and white drawings so much. I just haven't been into getting a colorized version, but I think this kind of pushed me over the fence. Or, and, and I, uh, I'm... I think I'll be making the plunge. This is a great drawing. Really did spike justice. No pun intended. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 ah! but, you know, I thought I, yeah, yeah. Hi. See what you did there. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was a, it was a good, uh, I, I thought that was a really good drawing. I mean, he looks really jacked up, which he should after a cleansing and he's a big guy anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that really, you know, did a great job of bringing that out. Uh, so uh, yeah, the artwork continues to roll out for uh, for ninety one. So we'll we'll see where that goes. Yeah, I I think this is a great drawing of Spike. Um, like Stu said, and Tim and I were actually talking before we start recording. I think for a lot of folks, twenty ninety one is a lot of people's favorite set, and I think it's just I don't know. I mean, it's just when all things started clicking and, mm-hmm. you know, for maybe for me and, and for Tim, it's the set that came out right about the time of the first Galacticon, you know, a few weeks before that. Um, yeah. I think Spike looks awesome and I'm, I'm really excited to see, you know, what's coming next for the rest of the 2091 guys. Cause that roster just holds a special place in my heart. If mm-hmm. I can put in the middle for a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You can. All right, and then on the legend side of side of things, for the LOW Color Expansion Seven set, uh, we had the announcement of the Terrible Turk. I'm not going to attempt to say his real name, uh, but uh, this is a, a re-release. Uh, Terrible Turk was originally released in the Legends Fever set in 2006, um, and I think we've mentioned this before. The original Terrible Turk card was actually done by Tom, um, and uh, so this, but this time the, your Legends team has uh, has done some updates and done some more research on him. Uh, thanks to a lot of great sources and including Pike Mojo's website. Um, I think it's going to be, I think p- promoters will enjoy the card. Um, some nice little uh, tweaks to the card, you know, one kind of unique feature um, that you'll see compared to other cards. And uh, I don't, I don't want to give too much away right now, but uh, yeah. Panel, any, any additional comments on our friend, the terrible Turk? I think that, you know, given like I, and I said the same thing about uh, lightning rod Fenton, 
Um, it's just nice when you've got a set that, that's filled with all these, you know, straightforward, you know, skilled uh, grapplers that, that really knew their business back then, that you got a couple in there that are just a little off the mark and a couple standard deviations away from the norm. Um, but I, I think he'll be a fun character. I think people will like it. Um, and uh, hopefully he'll get uh, he'll get some some use in everybody's fed. He was the original card uh, of the terrible Tur original rendition of Terrible Turk. I really enjoyed, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this too. Very colorful character. Yeah, I, I'm. You know, as as Corey said, that that's the one card that Tom did. So we're we're not straying too far from the the blueprint with that one, because obviously there hasn't been a preponderance of terrible Turk footage that has come out in the past few years. Um, they only had a, a one Blu-ray set, not a five Blu-ray set of terrible Turk, but um, you know, with all, a lot of these guys, we're, we're researching as much as we can. We greatly appreciate um, all the stuff that Pike Mojo does. Um, just me has helped with uh, behind the scenes a little bit with it again, just shows to, kind of the collaborative effort of, um, you know, the whole Phil Singer Games community. Amen. Um, so then also, uh, not really a new release, but uh, a, a new physical release uh, coming to a lot of promoters' mailboxes, including Stu's in Virginia, which is a miracle Woo! these days. Uh, yeah, but our, but a friend of the, of the podcast, I guess, Nacho Barrera, um, his card uh, was, of course, uh, released through the uh, January perennial event, uh, and many promoters have had his digital card in their online accounts for a few weeks now. And um, but uh, now the physical card has been shipped out, so I got my my copies uh, last week, I think, before our last recording. And uh, yeah, it's been cool to see people commenting on Nacho on the discussion board. Um, and I can't remember if it was Chad or someone else said, but you know, I think Nacho Barrera has become well more more well known among our community just because of his card uh, than people would have otherwise known, you know, no matter if you've watched AWA footage from that time frame, you know, being a, an enhancement wrestler, he could kind of maybe get overlooked. Um, but just that he's, that he's had a card release now and, and he's been excited to be in the game and be honored. Um, this is just really cool. It's cool to see people talking about Nacho. Um, our friend Zeke, I saw he was going to add him to his, kind of his ECW flavored fed and, and have him feud with Shane Douglas. Um, I, I'm really interested to see how those matches go. <laughs> uh, if you've seen Nacho's stats, you know, obviously he's not going to win a lot of matches. He could pull out the upset, but um, I'm very interested to see how he does for our friend Zeke. Uh, gentlemen, any comments on Nacho? Stu, well, let's go to Stu. You know, you got your card. You were the last of us to get it. I'm just happy to have Nacho in my house, you know. <laughs> I was I was thinking it would probably be late May before I saw Nacho. But I've got him. Uh, haven't utilized him yet, but I'm looking forward to it, and um, should be fun. He's not going to win a lot of my matches. I will echo that. No, no, no. No, but he's just a fun card to kind of fill he up is. the undercard and, yeah. and give you somebody else Absolutely. to yeah. mm -hmm. get pounded on. Yeah, and yeah. that's what you need. You need you need a little bit of everything, and that's you know it's part of the mix. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So Corey, I think you had a also had a uh, report from the Elimination Chamber pay per view. Did you want to share any sure. insight as to that? Sure, and I'll say right away, promoters, I don't watch WWE faithfully these days. I mean, I, I catch things when I can. You know, I kind of listen to the Observer Radio podcasts, recapping the shows, and then check out clips. 
um, you know, it's, I, I appreciate the, the wrestlers in the WWE and their work rate and everything, but just not, not as into the product right now. But um, I was on my own Sunday night. My wife and kids were visiting her, um, her, in, her, her parents, my in-laws. And uh, just Chad reminded me Sunday afternoon that there was a pay-per-view Sunday night. So I decided to check it out on the WWE Network. And um, I enjoyed that it was a shorter show, about, about two hours or so, maybe two and a half. Um, compared to some of the longer ones like WrestleMania, but it was kind of nice to have a shorter show. And um, and I've not actually seen a lot of the Elimination Chamber pay-per-views over the years or matches, so to get two in one night was, was an interesting experience. Um, always been a fan of Daniel Bryan and uh, glad to see that he's still around. You know, I'd like to see him uh, pushed a little bit harder, but I know he's a very humble guy and uh, willing to put over others, so... I'm glad he got the win, but would have liked to see a little bit longer, more competitive match with Roman. I really like what they're doing with Roman Reigns right now with Paul Heyman. I think that's just a, a great use of both of those guys. And uh, I, I kind of look forward to seeing how long they go with that and what's what's next and how things play out with Edge at WrestleMania. Um, the, uh, the women's tag team match, I admit I wasn't watching it faithfully, but, um, you know, seemed okay from what I saw. And uh, then there was the uh, uh, the other Elimination Chamber match with Drew McIntyre and the uh, the Raw WWE title on the line. Um, of course, it was kind of predicted that Miz would cash in after the match, which he did, but they got Bobby Lashley in there to kind of uh, set Drew up to get pinned. And uh, I'm, I'm interested to see where that goes with, uh, with Lashley and Drew and Miz and how that all kind of shakes down for WrestleMania. I know they got one more pay-per-view event in between here. Um, and then the other, the match with Lashley for the U.S. title. Uh, I'm a Matt Riddle fan, and I was I was glad to see him win the belt. It was kind of an interesting way of doing it, but I know they wanted to keep Lashley strong and uh, for for future things. So uh, interested to see how long they keep the belt on Riddle and what kind of push he'll get, and then and how he'll be positioned. So uh, I don't know anybody else. Any anybody else see any of the Elimination Chamber show or any thoughts? And I didn't catch Raw last night, so I'm not sure. I heard I saw, about it, but I saw the end of it. I I, I didn't I didn't uh, see the first chamber match, but I caught the end of it. I think they're kind of interesting. You know, just the setup of the whole thing is, is always kind of interested me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of nice to 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 you know sit down and and, and kind of you know watch one of those again. And uh, I haven't uh, you know watched like you. I mean, I don't I don't watch them all. I I just kind of if I've got time and and uh remember that they're on uh yeah. that always used to be the joke with with chad and i it's like what there's a pay-per-view tonight mm -hmm. um but uh uh yeah it was I, I thought they they did a good job they they got kind of accomplished what they needed to accomplish and uh, uh i always kind of like this time of year because they're always a little bit more focused mm -hmm. when they know what they're trying to get to for wrestlemania um so it's not as all over the place and you're you're never quite sure what the heck's going to happen it, it seems like for the, the the main matches and the main stories they they kind of know where they're going so that's mm -hmm. always that's always kind of nice yeah for sure so when you brought up bobby lashmi that that reminds me of something i saw today online it was a like a gif of or a meme or a talk tick or a chapsnat or something of bobby lashley and bob backland are the same age when Bob Backlund won the belt from Bret Hart. <laughs> wow. Bobby Lashley is like 45 or something. That's no right. Way. That dude I forgot about is that. so, I mean, he hasn't aged at all. No. Since, and, you know, and he got into pro wrestling at, at an older age because he had been a, 
amateur wrestler, you know, right. for, for quite a while and stuff. But I saw that I'm like, holy crap. And yeah, I mean, I I'd still him. think at that point, Bob probably had the cardio on him because oh, yeah. we saw Bob in action at the Hall of Fame a few oh, years yeah. ago and he would yeah. be doing that Harvard step test mm-hmm. and working out just in the middle of the day. And uh, the museum used to have um, a, a smaller activity room, wrestling room, rec room, whatever you want to call it. And he was just going up and down those bleachers forever. Yeah. He's like, and I mean, he was doing that for over an hour because, Mm -hmm. you know, we were doing some of the different, uh, the different things, uh, activities during the the weekend in different rooms. And he was in there when they started and he was in there doing the step test or the wheel, uh, you know, when they ended. impressive. And um, I mean, he was just, I mean, and he was doing bridging and I, I mean, it just, it, it, it makes me feel, you know, I would watch that and say, I've never been in that good of shape in my life. And here's a guy who's, how old is he now? 70 something? Gotta He's, be. Well, you're close. So fun mm-hmm. fact. Yes. Bob Backlund and my mom, Corey's mom too, yep. um, went, <laughs> went to the same junior college. Fact. Yeah. <laughs> went to the same junior college before he went to North Dakota State. Mm-hmm. So, how old is mom? Mom is going to be. Don't 70. say it on the air. Oh my God! You're out of the So Bob back. Yeah, Bob Backlund's probably seventy-one. So he was yeah. probably 68, 67 at the time. That was a few years. Yeah, ago. I mean, it just makes yeah. you sick that you couldn't be in that good of shape in your entire life. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. When, you see, when you see this guy out there, just and you know you. And I remember Dave Meltzer because he was being honored that year yep. in his mm-hmm. induction ceremony. He said, "You know, I thought I worked out hard until I saw Bob Backlund this weekend." So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, kind of scary. But yeah, Bobby Lashley has not aged a day since he no. debuted on WWE TV. Man, that guy no. put together. No. Um, so yeah, that was it. Was it was fun to check out that elimination chamber and just to just to kind of see some of the current stuff going on and. and- um, you know, Stu, you mentioned as, as we before we were recording that you've been watching some AEW. Any things you'd like to discuss? Uh, nothing, nothing particularly. I've been catching main events as I've gotten home, kind of late on Wednesdays, or catching the last part of main events, and they've been pretty good. Kenta coming onto the show was interesting to me. How they're bringing in or incorporating a little bit of New Japan. Um, it, the whole kind of hodgepodge of promotions that AEW is assembling is interesting. I want to see where this goes. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of this. If they can establish some kind of working relationship with a number of these smaller groups, and I think it would be good for the industry in general. And I've, for the most part, I've been liking Kenny Omega as world champ. Um, he's, he's showing a little bit more of, uh, or a lot a bit more, of what made Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega, or in less, a little less of Kenny Olivier, but we'll, we'll see how this goes. Uh, so far, it's been interesting and compelling to me, at least, how they're working with the other promotions. So got some real opportunities to do something fun here. Okay, so now fans, we're going to go to our main event. Um, we had to, you know, a little behind the scenes here, we had to record this with our guest before we we're recording the intro due to our guest's schedule but we were so excited and so honored and we'll talk about that after the interview to have chuck carter on so right now we're going to go to our interview with chuck carter so today on uncharted territory we're so honored and so excited to have the person who 
probably brought a lot of us to the game. You know, we saw his artwork in the magazines and those ads in Pro Wrestling Illustrated. We are so happy to have Chuck Carter on the podcast today. So welcome to Uncharted Territory, Chuck. Nice to be here. So um, we have some questions we prepared and we're just going to go through those and, and kind of pick your brain a bit about some of the history of, you know, working with Tom and Champions of the Galaxy and um, anything you want to share and update the listeners to. Um, so first of all, who were your favorite artists growing up and, and what mediums were they in? Was it comic books? What kind of art was that? Um, I have to say probably a lot of comic books at the time I grew up with, uh, like Jack Kirby and and uh, Neil Adams and, um, you know, uh, Bernie Wrightson. Um, I mean, I, he, I was a big fan of Bernie Wrightson. Um, uh, gosh. I loved his signature. Yeah. Huh? Oh, yeah. He, yeah. he had a great signature. Yeah. He did. He did. And I, I've had a chance to talk with him on the phone a couple of times before he passed away. Um, nice, nice guy. Um, you know, also, um, oh, man, I'm trying to think of some of the names of some of the other artists. Um, uh, Barry Windsor Smith, who did the Conans, the original Conans. Uh, but probably the biggest influence I'd have, would have to really say was probably Jack Kirby uh, growing up. Uh, Kirby was like, you know, he was a god. And, um, you know, the thing about Jack Kirby was that there was a, I, I'm from Cleveland, like Tom, and uh, there was a Cleveland comic book uh, convention uh, when I was in high school. And this is like in the uh, like 1973, maybe, uh, not even 1973, 1974, I forget exactly when it was. But everybody that went to these things, you know, you stayed at them all night, you know, and you got a chance to meet everybody and, you know, share your comics, buy original art, all kinds of stuff. And I got a chance to, to bring some of my original comic art that I was drawing on the side. Uh, and I, you know, I stood in line to get Jack Kirby's autograph. And, and um, I, I said, hey, Mr. Kirby, would you, you take a look at a couple of pieces of my work, you know, and he looked at it. And, uh, you know, he goes, uh, yeah, kid, you're pretty good. Keep on drawing, you know, and like that was like the like for me to hear that from Jack Kirby was like, wow, you know, Jack Kirby likes my artwork. And uh, so that was like something that really stuck in my mind through all those years. And, and I did want to be a comic book artist for the longest time, but I just really never had, I never had the quite the right drive to do it. So uh, it just never really actually happened. Though I did practice doing a lot of drawing and that, and I've done a lot of other art, mostly editorial back in the eighties and things like that, that aren't really related to comic books, but for newspapers and things. But uh, yeah, as far as, um, that goes probably that's some of my uh, those are my biggest inspirations those artists you know growing up with them uh so chuck you mentioned there uh, some a little bit of that early artwork you did um prior to getting connected with tom and champions of the galaxy what was your background in art whether educationally professionally um any experiences that you had before meeting tom in 1985 uh yeah i just took some classes like at the philadelphia school of art while i was in the navy and i took some uh, a few classes uh, at the Cleveland Institute of Art, like light drawing and photography and things like that, but never really anything serious. Um, I started uh, out as a cartoonist uh, when I got out of the Navy, um, a guy named Ed Fresca, uh, who was the, the, one of the political cartoonists at the paper at the time, one of the editorial artists, and I became pretty close friends. And um, Ed started giving me some occasionally freelance jobs from a variety of sources that he didn't want to do. And um, he was teaching at a school called the Cooper School of Art back in 1980, and he just really didn't want to do it. And he somehow, I have no idea how he talked the, the, the dean of the school to look at my work, um, but um, 
I did uh, for an interview, I, I did this huge uh, presentation there of uh, this cartoon strip because uh, Ed was teaching cartooning. And so I did this cartoon strip in a style of somebody uh, called Harriman who did Crazy Cat back in the uh, 1920s, 30s and so forth. And Crazy Cat was just, I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful, really black and white kind of dramatic kind of simple artwork. Uh, a lot of cartoonists use that as sort of their, you know, as one of their early inspirations too, like, you know, Galvin and Hobbes and, and um, you know, you go into, you know, Trudeau and a bunch of other people. Uh, they love that work. And so I designed this, this, this series of um, comic strips based around the Dean and it's kind of a crazy cat kind of character. And he was sort of the crazy cat. I did all these, these pages and I had a whole story going and then, you know, brought my normal portfolio at the time. And uh, I showed it to him because Ed gave me the introduction. And sure enough, they hired me to draw, to teach a, a cartooning course. Um, and I think I was just like less than a few months out of the Navy at that point. So I was like in my early 20s and I started teaching cartooning. Uh, and then I started getting jobs at like freelance work for like the Cleveland Plain Dealer uh, through Ed and Crane's Cleveland Business. Um, and I started doing a lot of editorial illustration for those guys. And um, some of my early editorial stuff for Crane's, I started winning all kinds of awards doing uh, caricatures and editorial illustrations and early informational graphics, things like that. And so I started getting involved doing a lot of newspaper art. But at the same time, um, I heard about this job opening uh, called uh, for a company called Custom Card. And they were designing uh, customized greeting cards for people with their caricature on it. And um, one of the things that Ed and I shared a lot is we used to sit back in the early 80s, sit in this bar called the Elegant Hog. And both of us would get totally drunk drawing people across the bar we each bring a sketchbook and he gave me a, a like a you know a marker pen and some paper and I would sit there and just sort of you know he would draw you know it's the greatest pickup line in the world you know you draw some woman's picture and <laughs> hand it off to her it's like you know I don't have to have an opening line it's an opening drawing and and also people bought us lots of beer and uh, <laughs> so I met the guy doing the doing the um, in the bar who was doing this custom card thing, and he saw me drawing caricatures and asked if I'd come in and do some stuff for him. And sure enough, I, I took the job because he offered it to me to, to draw the cards. And uh, so I was doing the custom cards, I was doing the editorial stuff for newspapers, and you know a little bit of variety of things. And on the side, still doing some of my own comic strip stuff and and what have you. And it wasn't long before. Um, that I met Tom and you know to be told us I can't remember where I met him from I, we met through a friend maybe Doug Goldsmith was a, another cartoonist friend of mine who's still a close buddy today and I think Doug introduced us way way back when and Tom and I hit it off real well and he was telling me about this card game he wanted to do, to do you know it's based on wrestlers and you know, I had about as much of an interest in wrestling you know as I do uh, you know uh, water polo <laughs> so I just I I like the superhero aspect of what he was talking about and that I could identify with really well and so uh in the science fiction aspect of it all it was really pretty cool but we're so starting we a water polo uh, uh, card game too that we'd like you to do some art for uh, <laughs> oh hey you know give me money and I'll do anything you know <laughs> there you go you'll figure it out right That's that's right. That's right. Synchronized water dancing, you know, yeah. <laughs> with polo. It's a whole new game. So um, basically, that's that's where we kind of met. And, and you know, at that time, my, my professional experience was mostly freelance art, 
uh, you know, doing cartooning and then working for this customized card and teaching. So it was, it was very varied and no education uh, per se, other than high school. We had a, a really special high school class that, you know, I, my high school that um, you had to take a, a test to get into it. And they only let 15 people into it from 11th grade and you repeated it in 12th grade. It was pretty much your entire thing. And I had a really great art teacher named Bill Jean who uh, taught me how to see and that really helped a lot. It's it laid a nice foundation. I probably should have gone to college, but I, you know, at the time I just, I was really not ready for any commitment to anything per se. Well, great. Well, you pretty much answered this, Chuck, but you alluded to the fact that you were not a big wrestling fan, but did you follow it at all? I mean, did you have any background in it or any interest? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, a little bit. I used to, used to watch some of it in high school. Um, you know, I wrestled in high school. Oh, cool. Uh, throughout, oh, cool. And uh, so, I mean, I, I was aware of it. And, uh, you know, obviously it's a lot different than, you know, collegiate type wrestling than, than you know, uh, big time wrestling, entertainment style wrestling. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I followed it to some degree. I think Hulk Hogan was, I don't know if he was around back in the early eighties or not, but the name seems to ring a bell back then. Mm -hmm. um, he was, yeah. You know, so, yeah. So, I mean, you know, basically Andre the Giant, you know, and I, I knew some of these characters and Tom always, you know, Tom and I would go out and get beers and, and, and Tom was always talking about wrestling constantly. I mean, that was like his whole life. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and this game was like another big part of that. So, so that, that's probably about, I mean, but it, we're talking very peripherally, you know, I didn't really sure. um, uh, spend a whole lot of time watching wrestling per se. I don't think I've ever been to an actual wrestling match my entire life. <laughs> so I don't know, sad to say. <laughs> You're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I, you know, from talking to Tom and, and uh, being introduced, I mean, where did, where did it go from there and where did it go to, hey, I want you to do some artwork for my game? I think we're talking like 1980, 83, maybe, 84. Um, the game came out in 86, so maybe 85 and 86. So, yeah, yeah. 84, 85, I think, you know, because it took yeah. me forever to do anything. You can ask Tom about that. <laughs> <So>. Perfectionist. <laughs> Yeah, perfectionist and procrastinator. So, some some after things your, never change. After Neil Adams, then you know one of your, uh, you know one of your influences. I heard Neil Adams had the the uh, the same issue with. Uh, oh, Adams was horrible. Yeah, <laughs> he would promise and promise and promise, and and then he's and and I still work the same way. It's like you know I let things percolate you know up until like the day it's due, and then I said, shit, I got to do an illustration. <laughs> Thank God I've got a computer and now I know how to use it really, really well. So it helps a lot. Helps. Well, Chuck, you drew, for, for us fans of the game, you drew such iconic characters. I mean, there's many of them that are iconic to us. But in, in your memory, do you, do you have any specific memories of certain drawings that stick out in your head from those sets uh, from, from all that time ago? Yeah, a couple of them. I think uh, Brute was the big one. If I'm mistake, not mistaken, if that was the name, uh, Wolf. Right. Wolf was a fun one to do. Yeah. Um, I remember um, there were these two uh, team guys, um, kind of crazy team members with lots of like kiss-like makeup on them. Um, oh, the gladiators! I think my yeah, some gladiator type characters. Like, massacre. Yeah, yeah, those, those are guys? the guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I did, you know, that, those were fun. You got to send me some of those again, because I can't remember what I used to draw like anymore. <laughs> I, mean, 
I've been drawing this kind of stuff for a long time. So. We can get you hooked up what with that. <laughs> no problem. Too many, cool. too many bar visits. <laughs> yeah, too many bar visits, too many dead brain cells through the through the I'm I'm sixty gonna be sixty-four this year. So I can get it kind of ancient, you know. So but uh uh yeah, um you know, I mean they're Star Star Warrior, I yeah, think was right. another one that I liked a lot. You know, and I think, um, you know, at the time too, I was sharing a studio with a guy named Val Merrick, uh, who's a comic book artist. And Val, uh, along with another guy who became a partner of mine later in life named Steve Gerber, uh, both invented Howard the Duck. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so they were both extremely close friends of mine. And, and Steve passed away some time, about 12 years ago, I think. But um, I remember Val and I, I would be drawing some of these things and I'd ask Val for some advice on some of this stuff because we shared a small studio space for a while in, in a suburb of Cleveland called Lakewood. And uh, so, um, you know, so it's always kind of fun to touch base with them. I mean, I, I watched Champions of the, uh, no, it was the Champions, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. And at the very end of it, there's a special thanks to <laughs> Val and Steve. Yeah. And I, when I saw their names on the screen, I go, oh, my God, Val Merrick and Steve Gerber. That's so cool <laughs> that they did that because Howard the Duck made a quick little entrance in, in mm -hmm. the end of uh, Guardians yeah, of the right. Galaxy. Yeah. And yeah. so anyway, um, yeah, so uh, as far as remembering the characters go, that's really about all I can, I can remember. So we're talking a long time ago, and it really was just a, you know, it was a fun job, but it was just a job. It's like when people right. ask me about Mist, oh, how many times did you play Mist? I hate to tell them I've never played this. You know, I tested it and tested it and tested parts of it constantly. And by the time I was done working on it, I wanted nothing to do with it again. And I go to a lot of these missed, a couple of missed conventions and, and, you know, just like, it's, it's, it's a totally different world. You know I mean? I'm not a mm -hmm. big, I'm not a big fan or, you know, or, you know, cause, you know, cosplay kind of person. So, but it, it is fun to kind of watch how people really kind of latch onto it, much like they have with, with this game. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, you know, the Howard the Duck thing strikes a, you know, strikes a chord with me because that was one of my favorite books when it when it first came out, and I just thought it was just so off the wall and so different that, yep. uh, you know, but the first two years of that were just phenomenal. I mean, it was just, you know, so different, and I think it, you know, some of the steam got taken out of it when they did the movie, which, you know, seemed it, to, it did, yeah. it did. I mean, it was one of George Lucas's worst films, and. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that um, from the rumors are they're, they're playing another one, um, but uh, with the technology nowadays, you know, it's it's going to be it should be pretty good. And, and Marvel, the Marvel universe does does stuff right. Yeah. Right? So if they yeah. decide to do a Howard the Duck, it'll be done right. I remember the artist that was doing the comics back then was Gene Colan, if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken. And he, always big the Dracula book Colin's. too. Yeah. Yeah. The Dracula book. And, that, and, and at the time I was working with Val, he was working on a bunch of Kung Fu things and mm -hmm. some stuff for uh, um, some Conan kind of stuff. He did a couple Conan stories and things like that as well. So, yeah. So with the, um, uh, with the drawings for champions, I mean, I know, you know, every, everything's a little hazy after all this time. Um, but, but, but do you remember, were there any that you really enjoyed that, that you thought were just wow, I really nailed this one, or maybe, you know, boy, I wish I could have gotten another shot at this. Uh, Star, Star Warrior was one of the ones I think I really nailed. Um, I mean, I think I got it just how I wanted to. Yeah, that's it. I had a lot of fun. You got to send me some scans of those, so that way I can see how I used to draw these things. Okay. I don't have that. I found some original artwork, though. I don't know where it's at, but 
It's in here somewhere. But I, I found some of my original artwork, I, early sketches. I don't know where they were stuck in some book. Oh and I was my. opening up the book and I go, oh my God, here's a whole bunch of tracings of one of the original, about three or four of the original characters. You know, so I may put them on the, uh, arrange a the Galacticon marketplace. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, we we could, um, we'll, we'll talk off the air. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> how about how about uh, the panelists? I, I have all, all the sets that Chuck did here. What you guys want to name one of your favorite drawings? I can yeah, kind of hold it up and show Chuck and, and maybe he can comment that way. Uh, uh, Corey, you want to go first? Well, off the top of my head, I know Comrade Terror from that original set was a uh, one of my favorites, and I know I think, you know, I, I don't know if you remember this, Chuck, but from what Tom has told uh, oh, yeah. promoters over the years, you know, the original idea being Comrade, he was supposed to be a Russian in the '80s in the Cold War, and it was your idea to kind of go the more alien route with him. Do you have any any recollections on that? That's yeah, actually, transition? I do. I, yeah, I, I at the time I I really wanted um, to kind of. You know, we're talking guardian, you know, guardians. Talking about, uh, you know, um, you know, champions of the galaxy. You know, this is this is out in space. It's science fiction. Mm -hmm. You know, and it started just really occurring to me. You know, why limit ourselves to humans? You know, and uh, so when Comrade Terror came about, it's I, you know, the the, the Gort or what, what do they call those things from um, from the Star Trek episode with oh. that lizard character where Kirk stuck on a, yeah, a desert planet, the Gorn, right, yeah. right. And um, I remember, you know, watching that and thinking, you know, it'd be cool to have some kind of big lizardy kind of character. And so that's where that original inspiration came from. So, but uh, yeah, I thought that having some of these things as alien and some of the stuff you guys have given me to, to start thinking about, um, I'm kind of going a little in that direction myself with a couple of them. Not, not real extreme, but I think, um, you know, I've been sketching around some ideas and stuff like that. So, you know, I'll come up with something. Very good. Uh, Tim, you want to go next? I, I mean, I, I just off that original set. I mean, I was just blown away by the Thantos drawing. I, I because he was supposed like to Thantos. be the main bad guy, and I mean, you just look at that. I mean, he's got a skull on his forehead. He's got a big scar across his face. I'm like, that's just perfect. Um, so that that's been one of my favorites for you know all the years that that we've gone through it. I mean, that that was just it was like the perfect. It was like the epitome of the bad guy villain that you would want, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. That was, he was a lot of fun to do with Antos. I remember that one. Yeah. They're starting to come back to me when I see them. I mean, I can remember then once I see it, I can sort of remember a little bit of the story behind the character a little bit. You kind of jog the old, you know, gray cells a little bit. Cause it's almost 35 years ago. It's almost, almost 36 years ago. So Stu, you want to go next? Well, there were so many for me, but Antos being one of them, but the mayhem, I don't know if yep. you remember, remember him or not. He was he was always a fave. Probably right up there in my top two or three drawings. I don't know if you have that, Chad. Yep, or, there, you, there you go. One of the gladiators. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's based loosely on, um, uh, oh, what's his name, uh, the talk show guy uh, who uh, took over for Johnny Carson. Jay Leno? Jay Leno, yes. Oh. Ah, all <laughs> right. Wow. Oh, all right. Cool. You can kind of see it in the truth. I, I see, see it. it. Yeah. I see it now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, if I saw Jay Leno one night, I said, you know, I love the chin. You know, maybe I could do something. <laughs> with the chin. And one of my favorites actually got an autographed one from you when you were in Galacticon was Splatter. Oh, yeah. I remember Splatter. You know, being of that age, I was kind of a fan of, of Jason and Friday the 13th and, and all that craziness. So, right. I remember that. 
since you mentioned having the cards there, Chad, I don't know if you've got this one handy, but um, for the 2092 set, um, Tom brought in the first uh, commissioner to the game, and he was named after you and then uh, drawn after you, Commissioner Carter. Who um, did that? <laughs> well, that, that's our question. You know, was that Tom's idea to name him after you? Was that you know your influence? Um, you know, any any memories of Commissioner Carter? I honestly don't even remember it. I don't even. Did I draw that? Yeah, your yeah, yeah. yeah. Your signatures on it. Yeah, I mean. Oh, is it? okay. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> it, it must have been Tom's idea or something like that. Okay. Know, so, yeah, I mean, I did a lot of those, and and I've done a lot of artwork since the 1980s uh, sure sure yeah. <laughs> so i you know i i think you might have kind of answered this for us already but did you actually ever play champions of the galaxy sit down and play i did, with Tom? did I, I did a couple of times i played it a little bit at the convention i think um i played with my sons for a little while okay um you know so i i tend to be you know when it comes to games you know more traditionally based but so even though we're smaller we're a little cooler than mist in your eyes right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely yeah there'll probably be some crossover here because there's a lot of missed players like this kind of stuff too yes, you know? yes. They're, they're gamers all around and absolutely how is your uh, your artistic style evolved from those champions of the galaxy days or was that really even your drawing style to begin with i mean did you draw champions a certain way but that really deviated from your overall style no, it was pretty much the way when I did comics um, back in the early 80s, 1970s. I did a whole couple of comic books back in uh, when I was in the Navy um, based around this guy with this huge, gigantic nose that he had to walk around with a little thing that held it up. And, um, <laughs> you know, but it was a, it was a, a fantasy, a lot of naked girls, things like that. Um, <laughs> but um, it was based around my my style. I mean, that I when I was doing when I was thinking about doing comics. If I decided to do comics, I probably would have drawn like that to some degree. Um, we already kind of mentioned this, Chuck, but um, talk about your time working with Mist and um, any memories of that. How did you get involved with Mist? Um, any yeah, any stories having to do with Mist? I know we, a lot of our promoters probably were familiar with Mist and played it at the time. So any any memories sure. of Mist? Um, yeah, uh, there's a big documentary coming out about Mist here. Uh, probably sometime next year, I'm going to guess. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a big part of that documentary. So, I mean, I've been thinking about this stuff for a long time. Um, the, uh, the thing about Mist is uh, I was living in Spokane, Washington at the time. And I saw this little game uh, called The Manhole, uh, which came out in 1989. It was on, on floppy disks, like about 10 floppy disks. <laughs> and it was hand-drawn using paint at the time. And Mac Paint was this little black and white drawing program you could draw on the on the little you know gray Macs that were like yay big you know the little screen about this big, mm -hmm. and um, so Robin Robin Miller was the artist who did it and Rand Miller was the guy who did the programming behind it to make it all work, and I was just fascinated by it because it was this this kind of um, uh, interactive you can kind of follow along and go you know click and then you know walk towards something and go through something else and you know you go to see a walrus and you go into a ship and then into a uh, a lighthouse and all these different things you can kind of explore you know free form not even worry about you know having to be any place no goal no nothing but it was amazing and it really kind of caught my imagination and i started developing something called the magic shop back then uh, based along sort of not on that game but around the idea of the play of ability of it and um 
while I was working on this, I, I discovered that uh, I was starting to work on, and this is like 1990, I started working in 3D on a computer by this time. Um, I'd been doing a lot of work for, um, for Knight Ritter and a bunch of other newspapers doing computer graphics for them for, in, you know, not only illustrations, but informational graphics and stuff like that for like, you know, like the Voyager and, and a lot of the earlier space stuff and, and plane crashes. And I mean, I did all these different things. So I was using the computer to draw a lot of this stuff on, but then I started discovering 3D and started building out things in three dimensions, um, uh, early computer software like Mac 3D and, and Stratavision and a few other ones. And um, I started getting pretty good at it. And I started doing the magic shop as sort of like this um, uh, 3D kind of, instead of hand-drawn, sort of a 3D interactive thing. And, and, um, and then I started, I had a chance to do something called the ABC house, which was also done in 3D, which was more interactive. And uh, I started, you know, I had a chance to get that published and, and, um, but some, some other crap happened on the side, just never saw the light of day, unfortunately. But the artwork, uh, Robin uh, Miller and Rand, well, Rand Miller first saw it. And Rand was um, uh, impressed enough with my work to introduce me to his brother. Um, because they, and, you know, and this is after I discovered they both also lived in Spokane, Washington. You know, who, who would have thought? You know, I'm in Spokane, Rand and Robin Miller from Mr. S and Cyan are in Spokane. And um, the idea of being able to actually meet both of these guys who were like part of this project that I really you know, fell in love with was pretty cool. So we got to know each other through the year, you know, a couple of years. And they started telling me about this project uh, that they were working on with Broderbund, or they were thinking about Broderbund. I think Maxis was another company they were looking at who did like uh, Sims and SimEarth and all that sort of thing back then. And... Um, they um, they liked the work enough that they, they started asking me about if I'd want to do video games for like a living. And I said, well, yeah, I'd like to. I was, I was working at the time I was working at the uh, uh, the, um, left, no, was that? the Spokesman Review newspaper. And I was chief artist. I was doing all the, a lot of the informational graphics and a lot of illustration, tons of caricature, full color caricatures, and lots of stuff like that for the newspaper. So when they offered me an opportunity to work on Myst, um, I took I jumped at the chance. I thought this would be a lot of fun, and they didn't tell me the name of it until actually they sat me down uh, in their house one evening without telling me really anything about the project. And they said, "Okay, we're going to walk you through this thing." And this is 1991, I think. And um, so I'm sitting in their living room. There's lots of beer and pizza and everything else, and. And the first thing out of Robin's mouth is you're standing on a dock and looking straight ahead of you up some stairs are a bunch of gears. To your right is a sunken ship. To your left is a path that goes up to an observatory and a library and a rocket ship off in the beyond the hill. And say, and behind you just, just some rocks. So which way do you go? So I said, okay, I go up the path, you know, and they walk me through literally the entire game in four hours, basically, you know, walking me from point A to B in the game. And that's my introduction to Mist was an actual walkthrough. And so I, you know, they, they at the time really didn't have any artwork for the game. They're, they were just starting to design it. And so I started pumping out all these different environments and uh, um, basically uh, doing a lot of different things with uh, terrains like mountains and islands, islands in particular, because Mist is all about islands. And so I started designing these islands and stuff, and we, they started incorporating them into, their, into some of their presentations. 
And so all of us flew out to uh, a Mac World exposition in San Francisco. And uh, we went over and talked with Broderbund and the people there. And we went over to Maxis and talked to the people at Maxis, you know, um, which was really pretty cool. Um, Will, 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 Will Wright is, uh, was the head. He's like one of the, the gods of game design. And um, so we had a chance to sit down with him and he loved Mist. He loved it. He wanted to do it. Um, but Broderbund gave, gave Cyan a better deal on it. Uh, Will Wright was a, a bigger businessman. You know, he's more interested in, in, in you know, making money. Broderbund was interested in making money too, but they gave a really good deal to Rand and Robin. And so we, we came back and we started production on it. I, I took the job, you know, quit my newspaper job, start working on video games and start working on Mist. And, and um, you know, pretty much it was just, uh, we all worked out of our house. You know, I worked out of my house in Spokane and Robin and Rand all worked out of their houses and stuff. And, uh, you know, Rand at the time lived in a trailer, uh, like, a, you know, a mobile home. And uh, he built on a, like a, an extra, ex, you know, extension in addition to the mobile home, which was his studio, uh, where he did all the, the stuff where we would have things. And, and then there was Robin with his house and he used his basement. And then we had Chris Brandcamp, who was sort of our business guy and slash sound guy. And, um, and Chris built a, a garage with a big second story that was sort of became the world headquarters for Cyan at the time. And we would meet there on a regular basis. And we were using very primitive computers back then. Something, you know, I was using a Mac Quadro. I think it was a Quadro 800 or something like that. And um, very, I mean, we had a whopping 20 megabytes of RAM. And, uh, <laughs> you know, one image on Mist would take, you know, after building it in Strata 3D, a single image would take anywhere from, God, it could be anywhere from six hours to 48 hours to render one shot. And so, and, and Mist is made up of like 2,500 different renderings. So, mm -hmm. and then this is before we took them into Photoshop, an early version, Photoshop one, and uh, started drawing. I was using painting. I was using a Wacom tablet back then. The very first iteration of a Wacom tablet. It had a big power box and all this other stuff, but I loved it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've always been a bit of a geek head and um, so, and a tech head. But um, that's where that all sort of started. And Robin and I each divided up the worlds. I took three, he took three. Um, and uh, we built the, excuse me, we built out the game. And, you know, I came up with some, some, some concept art for parts of it and uh, helped redesign parts that didn't work. Uh, so my, my involvement on the game was, you know, I wasn't a creator per se, but you know, I do share a lot of the creation of the game with those guys. So, you know, having done three of the worlds and helped design a couple of the other ones. So, but that, that was fun. It was my first iterate, my first experience doing games. And um, you know, other than the small projects I was doing on the side, you know, which also included an interactive uh, dissectable frog and something called Supercard back then, which nobody I'm sure has ever heard of anymore. But um, yeah, so that, that's my, my missed experience. So in your Twitter um, description, um, it also mentions a game called Zed. And yep. I, I took a look at that on YouTube and that looked kind of interesting. Do you want to tell us about Zed or other games or other projects that sure. you've worked on that may be of interest to the listeners? Uh, yeah, Zed, Zed is a, a project, um, you know, it's based around, uh, loosely around a friend of mine who was suffering from dementia and he was an artist friend. And um, unfortunately he passed away, but he was always trying to fish stuff for people and then, then couldn't remember who he was doing something for. And it just sort of stuck in my mind. 
uh, for the longest time. He was like one of the, one of the you know funniest guys I'd ever met. And uh, when I saw him, you know, going through all of this stuff with his dementia and all the problems that you know are associated with it, it just sort of it sort of stuck with me. And <clears throat> so I decided I wanted to do some kind of a story about a man with dementia, and came up with the idea that you know what if this guy wants to do something to meet he he let's say let's say you know the, the idea behind a guy is that he had um with his daughter he was estranged from his daughter and never got a chance to really catch up with her until she became pregnant and he knew he probably was going to be dead before the baby would be born and it was his granddaughter and so he started working up some sort of a way to to leave something for his granddaughter which was a children's book and the way that he communicates with you as a player is through his dreams and these dreams are ways that you use to help him reconnect memories that let him finish this children's book. And it sets, in essence, that's what Zed is. It is this explorations of a man trying to remember how to draw, how to design a book, how to design something that he could leave for his granddaughter. <clears throat> and that's, that's the whole thing. And, and um, the game went through numerous iterations. We had, um, you know, we, it was going to be a lot bigger game than we thought. We thought we could raise more money than we could, but it's just, you know, being a small company in the middle of Maine it was almost impossible to raise any real money for it. And uh, we did a successful Kickstarter. Um, but um, after, after the Kickstarter came out, um, you know, uh, we made, I think we asked for 50,000. I think we made almost 60, which was pretty good for us. Mm -hmm. You know, it lasted us all of about six months. And uh, then we continued raising bits and pieces here and there, but never were able to raise the full amount that we wanted to. And then finally, Cyan and I started talking, guys who made Mist, and, mm -hmm. and they became our publisher. And uh, they wanted it all to be in VR, uh, to be VR capable, which totally changed the entire feel of the game. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then we had to compress down our schedule and change what was a very big, expansive game into something very small um, and more linear. Um, and, uh, it did, you know, and, you know, it, it changed things in a way that I think, um, may have been detrimental to the game itself, but, um, I still think the game came out, you know, it came out pretty good. I'm pretty happy with it, you know, and, you know, the one thing you, you always live and learn about these kinds of things is that, you know, working with Cyan, everybody who is familiar with Mist thought that Cyan's doing a game by one of the guys who did Mist. So it's gotta be another Mist game. And then when it wasn't a missed game, we took a big hit on uh, Steam in the review section because people say, oh, this isn't missed. You know, it's, it was never meant to be missed. It was even said that this is not missed. You know, I'm not trying to make missed. <laughs> and so when it wasn't, you know, people gave us terrible reviews about it. And, um, you know, so but with the people who got it and the ones who liked it absolutely love it. And, you know, we've had people I have people still writing me to this day about how much the game has touched them in so many different ways. You know, but, you know, it is what it is. And, and so um, we got it out. It took a little bit longer than we wanted to, but, um, and a heck of a lot less money than we originally wanted to have, you know, to get it out. But um, uh, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun working on it. And it was a big inspiration. I had, a, I had a ton of fun. I was like, you know, we're using Unreal Engine and stuff. But as far as um, other games, uh, I've worked on a lot of the Command and Conquer games, Red Alert games for Westwood Studios. Um, I was mostly computer graphics supervisor on some of those, as well as I designed a lot of the computer graphics sets because they use live action uh, cinematics. You know, we would we would composite uh, our filming like with James Earl Jones or Michael Bean or any of these other guys, you know, Michael Dorn for Dune and 
a bunch of other actors we would have come out to Vegas and we would film them, you know, against a green screen. And, um, and then I would be in charge of helping, you know, kind of design what the backgrounds are supposed to be and then work with other artists and design some myself and ended up compositing a lot of the cinematics myself and doing a lot of the animation and stuff like that. And those games were a lot of fun. And then Snoopy versus Red Baron. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of games and on top of all that, I've also co-authored a geology textbook for McGraw-Hill and did about almost 1500 illustrations for it. So, um, and worked for National Geographic and Wired and worked on Babylon 5, doing some work for them, doing some matte painting and stuff. So I'm kind of a, kind of a ADD, you know, schizophrenic artist. I like, I get a lot of interest to do a lot of different things, so. Did, did, did you ever think that, uh, you know, when you started working on this game for another guy in Cleveland that uh, 30 years later that, that you'd still be kind of drawn back into it every now and then and that it'd still be going Never strong? in a million years, never <laughs> in a million years. I, I just never, I mean, you know, it's funny what, what stands out in, in, in people's memories about that game are the drawings. I mean, the gameplay is fun, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's your typical card game, you know, you know, it's just sort of everybody takes turns, you know, turn based and. And, um, you know, but, uh, you know, the, the games, it's still, I mean, I look at the artwork that's coming out of it now and, you know, and it's, there's some really amazing stuff. There's some really good artists that have done some, some work for that through the years. And um, so, but uh, 30 years, 35 years since then, yeah. um, you know, I would never have guessed that it would have, it would have maintained this much interest that many years later. So here's a, a picture of the original ad that you did for Tom. Oh my for the, God. For the Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine. And, uh, you know, we all joke about how some of those guys aren't, how they ended up, like the Invincible Kraken guy over here, the bald guy, you know, you end up putting bumps on his head. Uh, yep, you did. Star Warrior dropped his mask. Um, this guy, Renegade, I'll show you what he Renegade, had. I remember him. You know, he became uh, a, a lot different. <laughs> turned into this and i believe um tom said once in an interview that i have that you had originally thought that um you know 100 years in the future that women could fight men and you wanted renegade to be a woman do you you recall that conversation oh yeah yeah i was pretty big on including women in there i mean i came from a comic book background and Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have Wonder Woman, we have, um, you know, Big Barda from the old mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Miracle series from Jack Kirby. Yep. Um, you know, you've got a lot of women and these women are badass, you know, and then you look in, in you know, Sarah Connor and, mm-hmm. and all these other characters, you know, and you watch any of the Marvel Universe stuff, you know, and, you know, the Black Widow and, and uh, Wanda and mm-hmm. I mean, God, you know, women, women have been involved in this stuff for years. And uh, don't tell Tom this, but I think Tom was slightly sexist, to be honest. <laughs> uh, so I'm not kidding, Tom. Because <laughs> he said women can't wrestle. He said nobody will believe it. It's, this is made for young boys. You know? So it's got to be the Greek thing with him. I don't know. <laughs> well, what's funny is now um, in in professional wrestling, especially on what fans call the, the more independent circuit that, you know, not the WWF, uh, the, the big leagues, um, intergender matches are actually very popular and very accepted. 
So, you know, we, we were joking one time on the podcast that actually, you know, Chuck Carter invented intergender wrestling with that thought about, you know, wanting to have renegade as a woman. So you were, you were just ahead of your time, Chuck. (laughs) Well, thanks. I I appreciate that. I just wish he had listened to me. He would have been so far. He could have had girls (laughs) wanting to play the game. I'm sure there are women that play it. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure plenty of women who play it, but you know, if they had a girl, a couple really badass girl wrestlers in there, you know, back in the early days, Tom mm-hmm. would have been so far ahead of the curve and the game would probably have video games out by now for <laughs> movies and all kinds of stuff. But hey, he missed a boat. You know, so. <laughs> Did you ever get to know any of the old uh, game players? Or have you kept up with any of them? Or um, Mark Ashby, I think I occasionally yeah. will, will cross paths with him on, on Facebook or something like that. But beyond that, really not too much. And I was such a bad procrastinator. I mean, I remember little Mark Ashby writing me all the time and and all these things. And I'm thinking, I got to write him back. I got to write him back. But then I get caught up in other stuff. And, and I, you know, I felt like I just let little Mark Ashby down. And, and uh, you know, because they all wanted, like, they wanted to send me their drawings and, you know, and stuff like that when they were little kids. I mean, we're talking little kids. You, know, Mark, yeah. you guys were all little kids back in those days, I'm going to guess. For the most well, part. not me, but not you, <laughs> but everybody else. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I used to joke around. I said at the first Galacticon, uh, I, I said I think the only there were only three people that were old enough to drink. It was me, Tom, and and Steve Steve Minskoff. Um, but other yeah, than I that, I think Steve, when I yeah. when I met Chad, uh, Chad Chad was six. I, I showed up at the first Galacticon. I was twenty six, and Chad was sixteen. So um, yeah, it was a lot of a lot of younger guys. Yep, yep. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember Mark the convention I, that I went at in New York, how, how young most of them were. And by that time, it had been going on for some years. So, I mean, that was like in the 90s, I think. Yeah, I think, well, actually, the, your, um, your signature on the card I have says 2001 Galacticon. So, at that point, uh, I think Galacticon started in 1990. So, that about... Yeah, been, so it had been going for some years. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we were old and uh, still kind of young. <laughs> Yeah, when you get to your 60s, you got to really start, you know, evaluating <laughs> things. So, so I, I want to, I don't know if you know this, Chuck, but you also invented a time machine because when you did um, the the Red Talon and Duke of Destruction drawings, oh, yeah, recently, I remember those guys. you know, just within the past few years, that took me back to being 16 years old. It was so amazing. And actually, I was at a, um, a pro wrestling show. And uh, the Iron Sheik was there signing autographs. And, you know, as Tom started making the legends of wrestling with, with real pro wrestlers, you know, I was in line to get my Iron Sheik card autographed. And this other guy came up to him, never met him before. He goes, oh, do you play legends of wrestling? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, do you play Champions Galaxy? I'm of course. And he goes, have you seen the new Chuck Carter drawings? I'm like, oh my God. And here he is, he's like my age. And we're both just geeking out. Because you're you're black and white, it was so amazing. <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> I remember doing those drawings uh, for Tom of some of those uh, legends of wrestling. They were fun to do. Yeah, I mean, I was using whatever photographs I could find, you know, obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were they were they were they were a blast to do. I enjoyed doing those. Well, Chuck, I don't know if you're aware, but um, we, especially this last year with the pandemic and everything, um, the Galacticon gatherings have gone to an online format through Zoom. And um, it's actually, it's been kind of a, a fun, um, more regular occurrence. We had the big summer Galacticon in July. And then um, 
the guys in charge of that decided to add a couple additional events. We had a fall one in October or November, and then one just last month in January. Um, you know, hopefully, obviously, we like to get back to more in-person Galacticons in the future when, when things get better. Um, but if the opportunity ever arose, would you ever consider attending a Galacticon, whether virtually or in person? I know promoters would love to talk to you and, and, and ask you questions just like we're doing. Would you ever, ever be open to that? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think it'd be a lot of fun to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, it's kind of fun driving down memory lane a little bit. You know, it's been a long time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that stuff is, it, it's a lot of fun meeting the people who, you know, have been, you know, enjoying this stuff for so many years. And uh, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. It's like when I, I get invited to a lot of the MISC conventions now and, and you know, it's just sort of like I, I geek out at all the geeking out geeks. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I got to come dressed as, as Refrem. I'm, a, I'm an actual character in MISC lore. I don't know how <laughs> I think because my face is on the floor in one of the, in the final world in MISC. If you look on the floor, there's the head of this long dead king and that's me. I said, all right, Brandon and Robin can get their friggin' characters and videos of the brothers and the father in the damn game. I'm going to put my own face in there. So I <laughs> <laughs> it's only fair. Uh, exactly, you yeah. You, you wouldn't have to dress up for these. No. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. I embarrass everybody if I dress like a wrestler. So, well, did, did Tom ever tell you, though, at the – was it the first or second Galacticon, Tim? Um, Mark had – Mark jo Madison? Yeah. Is that yeah. the first one? So I think it was the first one, yeah. Do you do you remember the Bishop Hell character, the guy shooting fire out of his hand? Yeah. So Mark had put in the newsletter as kind of a joke, oh, we'll have a costume contest. And this guy who was even so you know, Mark and I are, are three days apart in age. So we're probably 16. This guy who's maybe 14 comes and he's dressed as Bishop Hell, <laughs> and he has like red streamers taped to a glove on his hand to throw fire. <laughs> fire people yeah it was i believe it was the only time there was cosplay involved <laughs> with the convention. do that again i mean that'd, that'd be fun especially in zoom because people then could go mm -hmm. all out you know they could put fake backgrounds behind them and there you, you know, go all kinds of things you know so so anything else you want to share any projects you want to plug you know what are you doing well right now i'm i'm um covid really kind of killed us from a company standpoint. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a couple of contracts we were ready to start on last May or last March, actually. And, um, and then when everybody started locking down uh, contracts, all kind of all the companies that wanted us to do work for them pulled back and uh, they didn't want to spend any money on external projects. And so we kind of like, you know, stumbled along as long as we could. So I finally had to close eager games, but um, I've opened up Chuck Carter media and uh, we have one game that um, we're working on right now. Uh, it's called, tentatively called Canary. And if you're familiar with Canary in a coal mine, you know, imagine, you know, just extrapolate this into an alien planet. So, um, you know, it's going to be a, you know, you got to survive. It's a survival game, survival horror game. I'm going outside of my normal mist kind of thing. And, um, you know, so I love horror games. I love first person shooters and all that stuff. But, um, um, so that that's something that's a long-term uh, serial project that I'm working on with a couple of other people. Uh, beyond that, I've been doing my main uh, stuff that I get to do is I, I work with a lot of people at NASA, um, JPL and Caltech. I've been doing a ton of astro astronomy and, and uh, geology, geography, astrobiology, a few different uh, series of illustrations all based around you know uh, NASA research papers. 
Um, you know, a lot of these colleges, when they, they want to do a particular kind of research, like, you know, say, you know, uh, a particular instrument on, on you know, on the, the, the recent Mars lander, you know, there'll be an entire, you know, 100 people working on a paper designing that. And I would basically come in and illustrate how it works and what it does. And, you know, and then some other broader scope stuff, you know, so, but I'm finishing up a, a big project right now where I've still got another probably three weeks on it. And um, once I get off this with you guys, I'll be back on it again for another two or three hours tonight. But um, uh, yeah, so that, you know, I keep extremely busy art wise and yeah, doing lot, and, and the stuff I do for them is fun. And I just got through doing a, a piece for National Ge a bunch of pieces for National Geographic on a book on ocean uh, geology, which was pretty cool. So I keep my hand in the science end of it, which I love science and, uh, and the gaming end. I mean, the gaming end stuff is a lot of fun. So that's okay. what I'm doing right now. Very good. Well, we do, we are, you know, cognizant of your time, but we do want to thank you again so much for being on the show. Um, you know, like you said, Tom had created this great game engine, but your drawings and I think just the, the personality that a lot of those drawings interjected gave gave life to so many characters. And that's really what hooked a lot of us under the game. So thank you for your contributions to the game and, and thanks for visiting with us. Yes, oh, thank you, It's a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's Chuck. nice. Chuck. It's been great meeting you guys. And, uh, you know, let me know when this goes live and I'll, yeah. I'll push it out on my Twitter account and some other things. So some people awesome. watching. Okay, very good. Fantastic. Okay, I don't know about you guys, but I was so excited. Uh, I, I told the fellers off the air, I was actually nervous this afternoon to interview Chuck Carter. Um, you know, and I've met a lot of pro wrestlers, a lot of people at the CAC, a lot of people at Trago Stas, and I, I was nervous meeting Chuck. It was fun, and I, mm -hmm. I thought we had a really fun discussion with him. What do you guys think? Corey? Yeah, I would like you. I was nervous, you know, just maybe just as far as how the conversation would go, you know, we've all met, we all met Chuck at the 2001 Galacticon in person, but um, he said to us uh, th before we recorded that he remembered Chad's face and, you know, I'm sure with all the game fans he meets both from Champions of Galaxy and Mist and all his other projects, you know, he's not going to remember everybody, um, but he just had a, just a nice personable nature and just really easy to talk to and fascinating to listen to all the things he's he's been involved in and is currently doing um, just a great guy. So just really honored that we could uh, get some time with him. No, it was great. I, I was nervous too. As soon as I came on, I was, was like, wow, you know, Chuck, Chuck has accomplished, accomplished a few things. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, mm -hmm. it was really cool to have him on. And I think I had a general concept of how big mist was, but it was a pretty darn big game. Uh, yeah. So you know, this is somebody who's accomplished in his field and he's slumming with us. So, I mean, that was yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it was great. I mean, you know, it's the same thing, you know, a little bit of butterflies. And, you know, when, when he first, you know, signed into the Zoom call, I was like, oh my God, he's here. Uh, and it, it's just great when you've been involved in the game for so long and it's been such a big part of your life. I mean, he's a big deal, you know. And, it is. Um, it, it was just great that he could he could find the time to come on and and uh, talk with us for a while and uh, um, just a just a great guy had a lot going on uh, got a Howard the Duck reference in there so how bad can that be uh, <laughs> you know I mean just just fantastic I mean just a great guest and his drawings to to me are iconic in the game and I 
I keep going back to those sets over and over and over. I mean, those are the sets I play play or use those characters the most. Yeah, I just, you know, some of the expressions on those characters' faces, they instantly tell you, hey, this guy's a good guy, this guy's a bad guy, or this totally. guy's confident. You know, you just, you see so much out of those original drawings and, you know, the black and white art of it just makes it, I think, even speak more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think a I lot of that comes from his work doing caricatures and stuff like yep. that because you learn what what to accentuate and what to do when you're when you're doing that type of artwork um, because that's what you're doing. You're really kind of taking some characteristics and and really really overemphasizing them as part of the caricature. And I think that uh, you know he was able to kind of bring that without it getting cartoony into the, uh, the the champion's realm and i thought uh, you know it was just fantastic okay well as we start to kind of wrap things up here we'll just kind of go around the room with any shout outs closing comments uh cory you want to go first sure um give the shout out to our usual podcasting friends um to grandpa choco at the phil singer game fan podcast uh to uh sam fain at the king of pro wrestling uh to uh steve tower who was on here a couple weeks ago from after further review and uh, also now I put in the podcast notes, Dave Little's Heartland Championship Wrestling Gameplay on YouTube. So check all of those out. They're all great shows, great, great media uh, related to our game. And also uh, we were going to announce the uh, winner of our contest for the copies of the Bruno San Martino Superstar Billy Graham uh, bootleg cards that Chad and Tim put together. Uh, thank you for the entries. And we're going to play our winning entry right now. Hey guys, I only just dis discovered your podcast thanks to Grant's channel on YouTube. Um, lots of good listening ahead as I catch up. I'm loving your WWWF uh, packs that have been released. I, I've accessed them on Google Drive. Would love to have a hard copies to use. Um, haven't got the technology to sort of print those sort of things out. So really want to throw my hat in the ring to try and acquire those thank you cheers all right so that's wayne hayes all the way from merry old england thank you so much wayne for your entry uh it's awesome you know we always talk about the regions that are covered uh, that listen to us and uh, it's cool not only to, just to have listeners in England, but the fact you took the time to send us in a message, Wayne. So Chad will be sending you a copy of the Bruno and Superstar bootleg cards. I hope you enjoy them. Hope you get to use them in your bed. And uh, one last shout out on my end um, in our talking about our regions and our different listening areas. Although this isn't technically a separate country, but the way that Anchor breaks down the regions. Um, according to Anchor, as of this past week, we now have at least one listener in Puerto Rico. Entonces, gracias por escucharnos. Go off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good night, Denmark, that buddy, huh, Stu? Yeah. <laughs> or he just I'm going to have to learn the chop. Danish. I did, yeah. a, I did a crotch chop on the air. <laughs> I would just like Wayne to know that, that we will be billing him back for the $300 worth of postage. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do the conversion into pound sterling uh, and, and try and figure that out. <laughs> so, but uh, no, no, no shout outs for me. I'm just, uh, you know, happy to be here. Happy we had Chuck on. Happy we've got people listening to us still. 
mm-hmm. you know, at, at least we're, we're getting new countries and, you know, they're not all dropping off. So that's, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not losing them. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have three people download to that. So, you know, but uh, yeah, so the, the fact that people are still coming back, I guess is a good thing. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy about that. Stuart. Good night, Denmark. All right. I'd just like to thank all the folks who took time to comment on episode 18 on the uh, discussion board. Pike Mojo, Matt, Jay, that's the letter J, not J-A-Y, not Gary J, Troy, Toaster Boys, Travis 605, The Faction, and Joe Breakdown. So for everyone at Uncharted Territory, we wish you all a great week. Stay safe. Have a good week. And just remember, fans, Chuck Carter remembered my face. The 2021 George Tragos Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Induction Weekend takes place July 15th through 17th in Waterloo, Iowa. Come see many of the legends of wrestling and the future stars of the sport. This year's award winners include former WWE and UFC star, the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock. Former WWE champion and Olympic powerlifter, Mark Henry. Six-time former WWE women's champion, Trish Stratus. And the dean of professional wrestling, Gordon Soley. And this year's 2021 Hall of Fame class features Iowa's own Earl Wampler, former NWA World Tag Team Champion Don Kernodal, and former WWE Tag Team Champion and Manager Adnan Al Casey. In addition to honoring these wrestling legends, a great card of wrestling action will be presented on Friday night at the Five Sullivan Brothers Center. This card will be brought to you by Impact Pro Wrestling, one of the top independent promotions in the Midwest today. Come check out the Hall of Fame Classic Tournament. Featuring some of the top young wrestlers today, including Cole Cabana, Brian Pillman Jr., Madman Fulton, Dominic Garini, Gary J., Jeremy Wyatt, and more. And for the first time in Hall of Fame weekend history, a women's tournament will take place featuring Heather Monroe, Red Velvet, and Miranda Gordy. Meet several of the legends of wrestling's past, such as James J. Dillon, Jerry Briscoe, Mr. USA Tony Atlas, Sergeant Slaughter, and more. Also meet legendary wrestling coach and American wrestler Dan Gable. Get autographs from these stars in one of the most fan-friendly wrestling fan fests around. For the complete list of guests, check out the Luthez George Tragos Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame page on Facebook. For all access passes, call 319-233-0745 or visit the link in the podcast notes. Again, that's 319-233-0745. The 22nd Annual George Tragos Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Induction Weekend, July 15th through 17th in Waterloo, Iowa.